Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. We just recently got the full list of cards for Unsanctioned. There's a cycle of enemy-colored legends, there's a new five-color legend, and there's a couple interesting cards that, if your playgroup is into it, might add a little bit of spice to your Commander Knights. So we want to run through these new commanders, talk about how we might build around them, highlight some of the new cards from the set, and then answer a couple patron questions related to Unsanctioned. But before we jump into that, I just want to briefly talk about our Patreon page. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commandertheory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, with that, would you mind reading off the first legend we're going to be talking about today? Heck yeah. So this is Circadian Night Owl. This is a 4-4 bird knight for 3 and 2 white. They have a new ability called Night Life Link. So damage dealt by knights you control also causes you to gain that much life. They also have two activated abilities. The first one is White. Circadian Night Owl gains vigilance until end of turn. Activate this ability only from sunrise to sunset. And black, circadian, night owl gains flying until end of turn. Activate this ability only from sunset to sunrise. So you can pay for an ability depending on what time of day it is. I think the bulk of this is on the the night life link, is what I would assume. Without that ability, he's essentially like a Sarah Angel. Kind of worse. Kind of worse. Yeah. (laughs) So like that's the, the thing you'd really want to build around. I like this take on night tribal a bit more than Ariel Knight of Windgrace. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Yeah, Ariel, like you have to wait a whole turn in order to actually start using her. Whereas Circadian, like you can build up your board with knights and drop them and then immediately immediately start getting value. Ariel, Knight of Windgrace, as a refresher, is also a 4-4 with Vigilance for two white-black and has two activated abilities Two white tap, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, and black tap, tap x untapped knights you control, destroy target creature with power x or less. So, uh, as you can see, this bird kind of just starts doing stuff right when it comes down where Ariel does not. Yes. <laughs> does not at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of commanders with activated abilities that cost a bunch of mana. Yeah, they they always like look really cool and you look and you're like, oh wow, that's pretty strong. And then it just kind of turns out your commander costs seven instead. Just eats up a huge amount of tempo. Yeah. There's some really good life gain rewards in Black White that are worth farming with this commander. Heliod 2.0, Archangel of Thun, Cradle of Vitality, all these add counters to your creatures whenever you gain life. So that can lead to more life gain in the future. There's also some card draw in the form of Dawn of Hope and Well of Lost Dreams that trigger when you gain life. So I think there's a little bit of potential for build around. If you're interested in knights, I think this could be a fun commander for it. It's funny that Mm -hmm. it took an uncard to make the first pretty good knight commander. The next commander is A. Cornelia, Fashionable Filcher. She is three and a black for a 3-3 squirrel. Whenever you cast a spell with a squirrel in the art, you get an acorn counter. Whenever a squirrel you control enters the battlefield or dies, you get an acorn counter. And then you can pay two and a black and X acorn counters to give target creature minus X minus X until end of turn. You can also pay green and pay X acorn counters to give target creature plus X plus X until end of turn. What do you think about this commander? I think the art is fantastic, and I think the card is a lot of work for minus X minus X. 
that's not necessarily what squirrels want to be doing. Like they kind of like want to go wide. You want a bunch of them. It's like a, it's a token strategy. So killing or buffing one creature, it seems kind of, kind of not in the playbook I wanted when I was thinking about a squirrel deck. Yeah, I agree. I think that committing to a bunch of squirrels is a, a major deck building restriction. And so you'd expect like a high powered reward and also a reward that aligns with, well, if I got a bunch of squirrels, like you said, it's yeah. a go wide strategy. You'd want something that plays into that. But the ratio of like cards you're committing to the board to the number of creatures you're going to kill seems very high. And, and yeah. also like <laughs> the amount of mana you're putting into it. It's just like we were talking about with Ariel. You're spending four on your commander. You're spending a bunch of mana to, to cast your squirrels to get these acorn counters. Then you're spending an additional three mana to give something minus X minus X. It's just a lot of mana for, for so little. Like you're yeah. in you're in black. You can play snuff out. Yeah, you can pay zero mana and kill a creature. Yeah. If you wanted to. So I'm um, I'm not in love with this design. It's unfortunate that Squirrel I don't think this is the right commander for them. Yeah. Maybe that was by design. They like didn't want to give too good of a card to squirrels or something like that. I think maybe they're trying to balance it for this gameplay experience because oh, yeah, Unsanction does come in five 30 card decks and you just combine a couple of them and then play them against each other and maybe in that context like the squirrel commander is going to do a lot more for you i guess we'll have to see like out of the box how does this all play that might have informed a lot of these weird decisions moving on to the next commander it is pippa duchess of dice two and a green for a two two human noble you can pay two and a green and tapper to roll a six-sided die it becomes a green die creature token with power and toughness each equal to the result. You can also pay two and a blue and tapper to re-roll any die. There are a lot of like old uncards that like care about dice and rolling dice. And like I think that the person who liked those cards is going to build this deck. So I actually do think that this like gave a player out there a deck that they wanted power level wise. She's not super strong. Yeah, I think a big issue is that the payoff for die rolls, there's not a lot there, of good ones. There's pretty bad. Most of them are pretty bad. Yeah, like Socketed Sprocketer will draw you a card if you get a six. There's a handful of contraptions it's worth re-rolling a die for. So I don't know if you're going to use that re-roll ability a whole lot. I think also the other thing is that a lot of the things you would want to re-roll aren't necessarily in blue-green too. Mm -hmm. There's like some red ones and other things that like deal damage or whatever. So that was a little bit of a, a miss there. But I, I think someone's going to have a great time rolling a die and being like, oh, it's a six and like having a big bunch of green dice in front of them. And you know what? I'm happy for them. <laughs> I think that they were a little bit constrained by the, the structure they set out for themselves. Like they wanted to have these five commanders, each of which was a two color pair. And yeah. not all of them worked out great yeah i'm surprised a little bit surprised we didn't get a contraption commander yeah out of them because that's something that was really missing from unstable i guess that they just didn't want to have to like also have this extra pile of contraptions that you'd have to play with yeah like just stuck in the bug i mean it really i feel like it wouldn't have cost them too much more to do that but i think they just didn't want to think about it so because this commander taps to produce tokens and you're in a green color identity, you could probably run a bunch of mana dorks and like try to get an intruder alarm and combo off that way. But in general, I don't know if there's a whole lot else you can do with her. Usually whenever I see a make a token, but it costs more than like two, it like it gets pretty hard to assemble. 
because it becomes like a five or six card combo. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, Intruder Alarm is probably pretty good in this deck in general. I am now ready to move on to the next commander. Yes. Um, so this is Alexander Clamilton, a 0-4 Clamfolk Advisor Rebel for two and a blue. Whenever you cast a wordy spell, scry two. So a wordy spell is wordy if it has four or more lines of rules text. And then Alexander Clamilton has one red tap. Choose target creature you don't control. Reveal the top card of your library. Alexander Clamilton gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of lines of rules text of the revealed card. Alexander Clamilton fights that creature. There's a lot of stuff you actually can do with this, just because, like, I'll let you get into it. Like, there's actually a lot of just wordy cards in Commander. Like, big rares have a lot of text. Yeah, I was surprised how many Commander staples are wordy. And also, like, you can play a little bit with digging into older versions of cards. So like the Alpha Beta Unlimited and Foreign Black Border Soul Rings all have four or more lines of text. So it's worth like looking at alternate versions. I was able to fill a deck easily with 60-ish cards that are all wordy. If you think about the cards you want to play with in Commander, like it kind of makes sense. Like we want to play with like the exciting cards and the exciting cards usually do a lot. And there's also like a little bit of tech you can use to build around him. Like because you're constantly scrying, you're always going to know what your top card is. And so you can run things like predict where you name a card and mill the top card of your library. If you milled the name card, then you get to draw two cards for two mana. Since you're already dipping your toe into silver boarded, there's also Mize. Yeah, Mize is from unhinged it's an uncommon it's one blue mana for an instant that says choose a non-land card name then reveal the top card of your library if that card has the chosen name you draw three cards it's another good way to capitalize on just always knowing the top card of your library and you can also do a little bit of building around his dueling ability thornbite staff is an equipment two mana four to equip and then whenever a creature dies untap equipped creature so you can constantly be fighting your opponent's creatures you can also protect him with a dark steel plate or mage bane armor just ensure that he's never going to lose the duel yeah and then because so much of your deck is wordy is always going to hit for like four or more so you can kind of plan on that for the most part which is that's pretty nice and that that takes out most things that you want to in commander yeah so we have a list for it go ahead and check it out in the episode description and there's a link in there if you want to buy the cards. You can just click that link and it'll take you to TCG Player and add them all to your cart. This next guy is Stet Draconic Proofreader, a 4-4 flying dragon bureaucrat for 4 red red. Stet has, whenever Stet attacks, you may exile a card from your graveyard. When you do, Stet Draconic Proofreader deals 4 damage to any target whose name begins with the same letter as the exiled card. And then he has an activated ability, White. Delete the first letter of target permanent or player's name until end of turn. The sad part about it is that there's not, like, a lot you can do. Like, the gameplay is fun, but you can't really build around this too much. <laughs> yeah, like, you'd run the red discard outlets. Uh, you'd run some ramp, because he does cost six mana, and, like, haste granting, because you want to be able to start getting his attack trigger as soon as possible. It's a little difficult to see how easy it'll be to match up letters yeah no i i feel that too and i think honestly the funniest part about this is it also depends on your play group maybe there's like a jack and a jane and a jerry i feel like getting a lot of value out of this guy is like 
kind of meta dependent in a weird way because <laughs> he could deal a ton of damage a turn, but he could also do nothing. He could also just like hit someone's commander once a turn or something like, yeah, it's really hard to tell what he's going to play like. Again, like I, I think the whole point of him is like the play pattern is is interesting and fun more so than like the deck build. I think the deck build is going to be pretty standard. Yeah, it's going to be like a Boros attack commander, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you knew this, but we got we got a lot of those. Yeah, we got I a fair number of those. Got a few of them. So this is the last new legendary creature that's included in the unsanctioned product. It is Surgeon Commander. So it is three and a green for a 3-3 three, three legendary Wombat Bat Chameleon. <laughs> so much. Uh, whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature you control, draw a card. And then it taps to add white, blue, black, red, or green. So it's a five color identity thanks to that mana ability. I just want to briefly talk about this first draw trigger ability. Yes. So mutate, when I first saw that, I assumed that it was sort of like hand wavy, silver bordered language, and it would include things like adapt or evolve. Yeah, same. But uh, Morrow actually came out on Tumblr and um, said that mutate is a real ability. So I'm guessing that it means we're going to be seeing it probably in Ikoria. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. They said Ikoria is going to be kind of weird and mutate seems like a weird (laughs) mechanic. Because we don't know what that ability does or what those cards are like, for now we're limited to building around the other abilities. So Augment seems really tricky to build around. I just don't like the idea that you have to commit two cards to the board in order to get one card off of this commander. Are there still infinite combos with the Augment cards? Because I know they edited Pony, which was the Flicker one. But yeah, there was a combo between... Yeah, half squirrel, half ordinary pony. That one did get eroded. Yeah, if you have an R&D secret lair and a half squirrel, yeah, half there you go. ordinary pony, then you've done it. And you can tutor up the land really easy. But honestly, there's easier ways to combo off with this commander. <laughs> yes. And they revolve around the enchant trigger. So whenever you enchant a creature you control, you can draw a card. And there's a lot you can do with that. There's a lot of one mana auras. There's also a lot of redundant effects with your commander. You can run enchantresses. You can run season of growth, which draws you a card whenever you target a creature you control with a spell. There's core spirit dancer and SRAM, which draw you cards when you cast aura spells. So there's a lot of ways to make it so that you're drawing multiple cards every time you put an aura on a creature you control. I think it's pretty easy to solve for cards, and then you just have to solve for mana. And the fact that your commander taps for mana actually makes this a lot easier. So a Crowan Constrictor, four and a red for a 3-2 human shaman. It has heroic. Whenever you cast a spell that targets a Crowan Constrictor, gain control of another target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So you can keep casting your auras on a Crowan Constrictor. Your commander will trigger you draw a card. A Crowan Constrictor's heroic is going to trigger untap your commander, so you can continually cast your one CMC auras, draw cards, and then be mana neutral on those. Yeah, there's there's another functionally similar card in Chakram Retriever. It's a 2-4 Elemental Hound for 4 and a blue. Whenever you cast a spell during your turn, untap target creature. So very similar. You can keep putting an aura on this guy or whoever and untapping your commander and just ripping through your deck. 
Yeah, but the best way to generate mana off of your commander is just Sky Ascendancy. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is blue, red, white for enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn, untap those creatures. So that right there will help you solve for mana. But it also has, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So that, in combination with your commander, is going to make it so every time you cast an aura, you're going to draw two cards and discard a card. And if the proportion of auras in your deck is high enough, then your hit rate is going to be pretty close to 100%. I'm a huge fan of Jeskai Ascendancy. I've been trying to find a deck that I want to play it in, and like this seems extremely fun. <laughs> so I, I built the deck. I threw in some tutors to make it more likely you'll find the Ascendancy over the course of a game. And I was just really surprised with how consistently it goes off. It's really not that difficult to get your commander down early, get Jeskai Ascendancy or a similar effect, and then cast your entire library and just kind of Voltron your opponents out. So that's it for the commanders. I feel like they, for the most part, did a pretty good job with them. I think the constraint that they had to be enemy colors maybe put them in a spot where they couldn't do that much with some of them. Not getting a contraption commander was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Not getting a commander that really interacts with watermarks. Oh, yeah, that would have been really fun. Yeah, because those were like the two main mechanical themes in Unstable. And it's a shame that we haven't gotten a commander to really explore them fully. There were a few other cards we wanted to talk about from the set, too. The set's mostly reprints, but they did introduce some new cards. Let's start with uh, B.O.B., which is Bevy of Beebles. Yes. It is three blue-blue for a legendary planeswalker, B.O.B. We'll just call it Bob. As Bob enters the battlefield, create four 1-1 blue Beeble creature tokens. The number of loyalty counters on Bob is equal to the number of Beebles you control. Create or sacrifice Beebles whenever Bob gains or loses loyalty. It has plus one. Up to X target Beebles can't be blocked this turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. And minus one, draw a card. This is a a difficult card to evaluate. I think I really like this card. The fact that the loyalty are these creatures means that you can just do a lot more with it. So you have this constant kind of card draw engine. And if you can continually make more Beebles with like other cards that do that, because blue does have like a lot of repeatable copy effects and stuff like that. So like, I think... So I was thinking like Plague Mob Beast would be interesting. Yeah. So Plague Mob Beast is three green green for a four three. It taps, sacrifice a creature to proliferate. So you can sack a Beeble and proliferate Bevy of Beebles and get another Beeble. So you just need a mechanism to untap the Plague Mob Beast, which there's there's a fair number of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you get infinite proliferation and that ought to be able to do something. Do something. Yeah. If you got other Planeswalkers, then they are definitely going to go off like stuff like that. I like that this Planeswalker doesn't have an ultimate. It won't scare people. So you can keep it around longer than than something that has a a ticking time bomb on it yeah i also like that it inherently protects itself being that it is creatures Mm -hmm. so like you're like don't attack me because i'll just jump with my planeswalker (laughs) like it's it it is this interesting area of gameplay it it, i like the weird intersection that this card kind of forces through this like silver borderedness it's also like relatively efficient token generation for blue. We don't often see this like four guys for five mana and you can, of course, tick it up immediately. So 
believe five creatures for five mana. Yeah. It's a pretty good rate. And if you're playing a deck with like a lot of coastal piracy effects, this might be appealing. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Bevy of Beebles. Next is Flavor Judge. One and a white for a bird advisor. It's a 2-2 creature, and it has tap, choose target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Then ask a person outside the game if the story of what will happen makes sense. If they say no, sacrifice Flavor Judge and counter that spell or ability. This is a very strange card. I actually love this card, and I'm very glad it exists just for the uh, new magic memes we'll be able to get (laughs) off of it. I also like this card because white counterspells. Hopefully this hints that they're going to be more uh, amenable to that in the future. Mm-hmm. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I'm I'm worried that they're just playing in this space in Silver Border because like it makes the most sense flavorfully. I'm worried they're like not actually interested in like transplanting that flavor into real magic. We'll see. I'm I'm hoping. I mean, cuz one of the reasons we're talking about these Silver Border cards is like they're really fun. But one of the criticisms of these sets is typically like, well, I don't care. I don't want to play these joke cards. But I think the reason that people should care is like a lot of these joke cards become real mechanics or like like when they're playing around in these spaces, this is like how they figure out stuff that they want to do in the future. And so I think like looking at stuff like this and the fact that like there is this counterspell attached to it admittedly like goofy like ability, but there's a white counterspell still like a white stifle i think that's pretty cool and i'm really really hoping that does translate in the future that's the last of the cards we want to talk about do you want to move on to patron questions we're gonna do a few this this week right Mm -hmm. gustav asks do you think the unsanctioned release will prompt the rules committee to announce another month of silver border cards being legal do you think they should i think that the rules committee viewed the silver border experiment as a failure yeah they haven't explicitly said that right but i do agree with you i believe that because they've been so reluctant to do experiments following the result of that i know yeah i think they received a lot of criticism and and just thought that okay we're not gonna do experiments in the future so i don't expect them to do it following the release of unsanctioned yeah do you think they should i do think they should the, the people who are going to do these experiments and the people who are going to participate in these like trial periods are invested players who are like looking into things and like want to try things and want to have new experiences. And people who don't want to do that are going to keep their decks the same or maybe never even hear about it. Like, I, I don't think it actually hurts that much. This is going to sound like very on brand. I think they didn't go like hard enough with the experiment and i think they should try it again because i think like the information we get is well worth it we've got a related question so Raphael asks if you were on the rules committee would you allow a specific list of not too silly uncards in regular commander things like most legendary creatures some potential useful stuff from unstable i would say yes i would really want to make most if not all silver bordered and playtest commanders legal, the playtest commanders being cards printed in mystery boosters that explicitly state that they are not tournament legal, some of which could create new decks. For example, like Grusilda, Monster Masher from Unstable. She is three black-red for a 4-4 zombie villain. Combined, enchanted, and equipped creatures you control have menace. Three black-red tap, 
Put two creature cards from graveyards onto the battlefield combined into one creature under your control. Its power is equal to their total power, its toughness is equal to their total toughness, and it has their names, mana costs, types, text boxes, etc. So a friend of ours built this deck, and he came up with some really interesting combinations of cards. Like sometimes it's as simple as huge beater and infect creature. Yeah. But there are a lot of creatures that have some really interesting synergies and it's worth trying to get these specific combinations. So Grimlock Dinobot Leader is a 4-4 Autobot for one red, green, white. Dinosaurs, vehicles, and other transformer creatures you control get plus two plus oh. Then he has two. Convert a Transformers toy you own to its other mode. Grimlock Dinobot Leader becomes Grimlock Ferocious King, so he transforms. So you flip him over, and Grimlock Ferocious King is an 8-8 Trample, and has two Convert a Transformers toy you own to its other mode. Grimlock Ferocious King becomes Grimlock Dinobot Leader. So when you want a big beater, you can pay two and transform a Transformers and get an 8-8 Trample, and when you want to pump a team... You got this guy. Honestly, the front end of Grimlock is pretty good. He's probably one of the better, like, dinosaur commanders. And it's also worth noting that Mark Rosewater has stated that Transformers creatures include those that can transform. It's not just other Autobots and Decepticons. So that means that Grimlock is also the best werewolf commander that we've received to date. It's a shame that he's like $150, but Grimlock would be a great deck in the format if it was legal. Like That would actually be really cool and fun. In addition to creating these new archetypes, uh, introducing these new commanders that let you play with new subsets of cards, there's also just a bunch of silver border cards that could easily be printed in a black border set. Yeah. For example, all of the host creatures from unstable they're just etb creatures there's no reason that they couldn't be printed except for the way that their text box is formatted that's true with a lot of commons and uncommon effects in these silver bordered sets usually there's like something funny or silly about what they're doing but what they're doing isn't crazy what they're doing is like a different type of mana ramp like rampant growth or like deal 3.14 damage to a creature like it's funny but that doesn't really come up in most cases like that that wouldn't hurt the format for being a card you could play. I, I think that the only real issue is the manual dexterity cards. Yeah. Yeah, th- there are definitely some that get hazy, but I think for everyone that's hazy, there's like three that are fine. Yeah, like Unstable literally had vanilla creatures in it. There's yeah. nothing about that that couldn't fit into Commander just fine. Exactly. We're going to go over some cards that we think would be cool. So some of these are from Mystery Boosters. They're not entirely just Silver Border cards, but I think they sort of fall into the, the same. I totally agree with that. So one is Barry's Land. It is a basic land cloud, and it taps for a colorless mana. The fact that it has a basic land type means that it, it's actually better than Wastes, because that means that Myriad Landscape can be used to ramp you in colorless decks. So that would be something useful to add to the format. And your domain effects, dude. Yeah. So there's Aesthetic Consultation, which is essentially demonic consultation. It's a single black mana for an instant. Choose an artist, exile the top six cards of your library, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card with art by the chosen artist. Put that card into your hand and exile all other cards revealed this way. So demonic consultation is sometimes used in CEDH, and this is mostly redundancy with that. You'd have to be very careful about how you build your deck but it's mostly the same thing. 
So the next one is Clocknapper, a human spy, a 2-2 for three blue-blue. When Clocknapper enters the battlefield, choose beginning phase, pre-combat main phase, combat phase, post-combat main phase, or ending phase. Steal that phase from target player during their next turn. Basically, like you get to do stuff on whatever one of those you picked on target player's turn. The really interesting thing is like stealing someone's untap step. Yeah. There's a lot you can do with that. For example, if you have a Kiki Jiggy, you are untapping your Kiki Jiggy so you can make a new clock napper and then just take all of your opponent's untap steps for the rest of the game. Similarly, if you have a Deadeye Navigator, you can steal someone's untap step, use that untap step to untap your mana, activate Deadeye again, and then basically combo off. Your opponents are probably locked out. And then on top of that, like the worst case scenario being a fog is like hilarious. Like the, the, there's a lot of interesting play with this card. And I think it's totally fair at five mana. Like this doesn't actually cause that many grumbles because like it does take a little bit to set up. It's a shame that when you're trying to like combo off with Kiki Jiki, a lot of the other pairs are just like not quite worth a card. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't feel good running Pestermite or Deceiver Exarch in your deck and like Zealous Conscripts is occasionally useful but it's, yeah. it's not really worth five mana but like clock napper is like i am happy to do this once and i'm also happy to do this infinite times yeah mishra's toy factory is really sweet it's a land it taps to add three colorless mana to your mana pool and you can spend this mana only on spells and abilities that create tokens and you have to use toys to represent those tokens so if you're playing a token deck it's an enormous amount of mana it's huge acceleration and it would add a little bit of power to those types of decks yeah, especially like if you think about all of the white sorceries that add like a ton of tokens, but like aren't super good typically when you'd be able to cast them in the game in white. So Enchanted Prairie is another playtest card, and it is an enchantment land. It enters the battlefield tapped, and it taps for white or blue. Artifact lands are interesting and like have a lot of like intersection with a lot of cards, as people know, kind of famously so. And this would basically do the same thing for a lot of like enchantress decks, a lot of like enchantment payoffs, and this wouldn't hurt anything. This would just make people's decks more fun. You'd like tutor up your tap land and that was a great play. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It adds a lot for decks with constellation or effects that count the number of enchantments you control, like Sarah's Sanctum, Sphere of Safety, and it just takes up a land slot. Another great card is everything a majig e yes one of the six versions of the card so this version costs five mana it's an artifact you can sack a land to gain two life and you can sacrifice a creature to add colorless colorless to your mana pool and then you can pay to discard a card search your library for a card that shares a complete word in its name with the name of the discarded card reveal it put it in your hand and shuffle your library but really, it's redundancy for Ashnod's altar that will help you if you're building a deck based on sacrificing and sacrifice loops. Yeah, I've put this in decks before. I've like asked the playgroup if I could use various everything jigs, and this one in particular is one that has been very nice, especially in uh, those white decks where you don't have a lot of good sack outlets. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big fan of the everything jigs. Another card that I think would be great to add to the format is Ineffable Blessing. It's one in a green for an enchantment, and there's six versions of it. As it enters the battlefield, you choose some property. That could be like, choose white-bordered or silver-bordered, choose flavorful or bland. And then what it will do is, whenever a creature with the chosen characteristic enters the battlefield, you get to draw a card. 
And some of those things you're choosing are common enough that the card is basically just a guardian project, but for less mana. Like one of them is choose creatures with flavor text versus creatures with no flavor text. If you're running a token deck, well, tokens don't have flavor text. So every time a token enters the battlefield, draw a card. That's a huge amount of card advantage. So I think that would be a great addition to the format. And honestly, there's like so many things that already do this. You're not busting anything like allowing this card to exist. You're going to notice we're going to say that about a lot of these cards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's already so many good things you can do in Commander that a lot of these cards aren't going to break the format just by existing. So this next one is Crozen Adaptation. This is a playtest card. It's an enchantment aura for one green, enchanted creature, and it has storm. And Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus O, and has Vigilance. So basically, an aura with Storm, so you get a bunch of auras is the idea. Again, it's very, very good in Enchantress decks. Yeah, if you have a Constellation Triggers, is potentially one mana for many, many, many triggers. Um, and also, like if you have a commander that cares about auras, like, for example, Surgeon Commander, this is potentially one mana to draw a whole bunch of cards off of him. It's a niche tool. It doesn't go in every deck, but it enhances some of the archetypes on the fringes on the format over my dead bodies is another interesting one it's four black black for an enchantment creatures in graveyards can attack and block as though they were on the battlefield can block or be blocked only by creature cards in graveyards are zombies in addition to their other types and have undeath touch which means if they would deal damage to a creature card exile that creature card instead creature cards in your graveyard have haste so this is essentially a twilight's call Although you don't get your ETB triggers, you just get a whole bunch of guys onto the battlefield. They have haste. You can kind of win out of nowhere. I think it's a a powerful card. It gives some juice to graveyard decks. But again, it's not broken, really. Living Death is a lot of times better than this card. Like this one requires setup and then people can still block if like the game has gone long or like if you're playing against someone else with a graveyard deck. Like you said, it's basically Twilight's Call, but with haste. And I don't think that really ruins a play experience. It's just another tool that'll lead to to fun, interesting games. Yeah, exactly. This last one here is Stalking Tiger. This is a 5-mana 3-3 cat construct. It says, Stalking Tiger enters the battlefield with a sealed magic booster pack under it. When Stalking Tiger deals combat damage to a player, unwrap the booster pack and put it into your hand. Basically, if you got fat stacks and you got a bunch of packs, you're drawing a ton of cards. <laughs> you don't know what you're drawing, but you're drawing. Yeah, you're getting 15 cards. And uh, depending on the, the pack you're choosing, maybe you're getting like ultimate masters or something with like yeah. <laughs> a lot of power, a lot of juice in there. But it's a huge source of card advantage for decks that can blink or otherwise reuse it. And of course, there's many more silver border cards that would enhance some corner of the format. There's hundreds of them at this point, so it's it's hard to pinpoint all of them. But there are a lot that are worth making legal that, that would lead to more fun games of Commander. There are certain ones that people complain about. I think the problematic cards will just kind of rear their heads and you'd be able to pretty clearly go, okay, like this is just going to cause too many problems. Yeah, nobody but, wants to play against Nerf War. Exactly. No one wants this. I really do think that like just allowing a lot of these cards into the format and with discussion, like if we did have a list of like allowed cards or or vice versa, just the banned silver border cards, that'd be fine. And then people get to play with these cards that they really like. I think that's all we have to say on the subject of unsanctioned. Let us know if your playgroup is planning on building any of these commanders following its release. 
But with that, I think we can move on to a brief thank you for our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, and Benjamin. Thank you for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please go to patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.